Hello and welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I am Noah, and I am here today with my co-host, Kayla. Uh, summer is in the air, officially. I mean, it's been in the air for a while, but... But it feels like, it feels like yeah. summer now. Like, the summer yeah. vibes are official. Feels like summer. Wasn't that a Childish Gambino song? Wasn't it? Like yeah. Because he did the he did the This Is America, which blew up, and then he tried to do those two summer singles, which yeah. I feel like no one listened to. They weren't very. And good. then he did the the Guava Island movie, which was, not in my opinion, not not good. <laughs> um, but you know, it's all it's fine. It is what it is. Yeah. Even yeah. the greats can can make their mistakes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Feels like summer. Yeah, I was thinking about watching Jaws today. Wow. Wow. You know? I actually just bought the book for Jaws. Because oh. I was like, this seems like a fun mo- book to read in the summer. Yeah. You're at the beach right now. I am. Soaking the sun while reading Jaws. Well, I read Virgin Suicides. I finished that in like a few days because it's very short. And it's like, I like reading high school books during summer because like books that like people read in high school because they're just deep enough where like I can get some some deeper enjoyment from them but they're not deep enough that i really have to focus yeah um, i get that especially like at the beach or pool when there's a million things going on so I know. i'm going to the beach in a couple weeks over the fourth of july and i am wow. extremely excited for it very exciting what are you doing right now what are your what are your activities <laughs> Nothing exciting. Um, no, that's a lie. Uh, I coach high school soccer, and we're in about to go into states. Just won our regionals, so that's wow. taking not a sponsor. Most of my focus, and then I am working on a short film set this week, which wow is kind of crazy because I haven't worked on a film set since college. Wow, it's been a long time, almost five Back years. Back to your roots. Yeah, of I'm doing the, like the behind the scenes stuff though, so That's it's good, though. a little different, a little chill. Yeah, not so like hands on with the the filming, which can be mm-hmm. a little bit stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, cool. Well, today we are talking about another new movie, a little different than the last two because the last two were theater releases, but this was a this is a Disney Plus um release and a very good summer vibe. Like, this is the movie of the summer. I'll say that wow. now. I am. I think it is the movie of the summer. We're calling it at the moment. I mean, thinking ahead, like, I can't think of another movie that will be this, have this much of, like, a, a widespread reach or, like, a wide appeal. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, even something like Suicide Squad is more geared for teenagers and adults Black Widow, I think no one is really excited for. Um, I think people are just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is like, it really makes me sad that this isn't in the theater. Because this was literally, this came out yesterday, the 18th. And that was the release date. Um, This is Luca. Did we say that, by the way? Did we say the name? I don't think Um, we did. It's in the title of the episode, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was slated for release in theaters on June 18th. And then they were like, COVID, so we have to move it to Disney+. Plus. But they put Cruella in theaters, so COVID was not... I I feel like, I don't know. I, I don't think they trusted in the movie, really. Yeah, and this was probably the most frustrating change for me, because I'm like, if you're willingly putting other movies in the theater, 
you can't really blame it on COVID. And then you're also not putting a price point on it on Disney Plus. Not that I'm yeah. complaining about that, but it just seems kind of weird to me considering some of their other movies had price points on it. Even like Raya and the Last Dragon, which was also animated and probably like had less of a pull because it doesn't have the Pixar brand behind it, was $30. And in theaters. That one was in theaters. Yeah. Where theaters were open. Mm -hmm. So it just it's doesn't really make sense at all. Um, yeah. I really hope it doesn't become a trend. I would have loved to see this in a theater. Yeah. Even if, even the fact that you don't have the option is just weird. Yeah. Because the animation is just like very, very good and bright mm -hmm. and colorful and full of light. And I'm like, wow, that would be awesome to and the see score on a massive the theater. screen. Oh, gosh. The score is so good. I am. I really want them to put it on Spotify. So I bet that they will. I can listen to it all summer, basically. Uh, I bet they will. The Soul score was like a huge thing for them. I think a lot of people streamed that, so I don't see if, why there'd be any reason for them not to. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, but so this is again Luca. I don't know exactly how to pronounce the director's name. Enrico Casarosa. That sounds right. Perhaps. He also did the La Luna short. Which is a cute short. Which also makes sense considering some of like the dream sequences even yeah. in this movie. I think feel very similar. It's very dreamy. Yeah, but that was his only credit for really anything before this. So it's cool that they, Pixar that is, let him kind of tell this pretty personal and weird story mm -hmm. uh, without having worked on Toy Story or something. Uh, Yeah, so we have a little bit of a summary here which I got from our good old friend Google, which is a great provider of summaries. Um, so do you want to read this one here? Uh, sure. Set in a beautiful seaside town on the Italian Rivera, the original animated feature is a coming-of-age story about one young boy experiencing an unforgettable summer filled with gelato, pasta, and endless scooter rides. Luca shares these adventures with his newfound best friend, but all the fun is threatened by a deeply held secret. He is a sea monster from another world just below the water's surface. Oh, no. Wow. Was there another trailer for this besides the first trailer? Um, I don't know. I... I'm not entirely sure. I think there was like a teaser and then mm -hmm. one trailer, I feel like. Okay, because I saw that trailer and that was all I knew going into this. And I kind of purposely didn't really look anything up. Like I didn't really read many of the reviews. I saw the scores or whatever, but I didn't read mm -hmm. about it. Um, but I thought that he was all going to already be a boy and then he discovers he's a sea monster kind of thing. Yeah. But then it was the opposite um, we're going to do, this is basically non-spoilers, but if you don't want anything spoiled, then just don't listen to this section, but we'll try our best not to spoil. But I, it's, it starts with him in the ocean. It's basically Little Mermaid for the first, like, 15 minutes. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, I want to go to the surface, uh, which I think, basically, I love this movie. My least favorite part, I think, was the opening. Um, Interesting. Just because it felt pretty generic to me. Like, I'd already seen this movie, like, 15 times. Yeah. I think it's hard because this is kind of a theme in a lot of Disney movies and in Pixar mm. movies. 
And so it's hard when you have a movie about fish and you're in the ocean to not relate it to Nemo, where it's like, I want to go out into the deep. I want to go swimming. I want to be this child. And then there's like an overprotective parent. I was Mm. like, okay, this is a little similar to Nemo. Like, it's a little too close. Which is not a bad thing. It just felt definitely a lot more generic than the rest of the movie once he kind of gets to the surface. Uh, Also, did you notice like some of the audio mixing underwater was like muffled a little too muffled? Like I get what they were going for. It's cool. But it just was kind of distracting for me. Yeah, that was one of those things that was like, you know, something that you could have an issue with. But then you're like, okay, well, they're taking the creative like they're trying to make a more unique creative choice. Right. So it was like, okay, I'll give them that. Even if I don't love it, I think it's it was mm-hmm. a good creative um, step for them. And you could say when he's underwater, he's being like muffled. Oh my like, gosh. Theoret- like metaphorically muffled. Uh, it also helps that there's not much underwater. So if it was all underwater and it, the audio was like that. Yeah, would it would be, be a, a, little a little frustrating. But yeah, I loved the little um, fish. That he was fish? taking care of the sheep fish. Yeah. I love that like metaphor of like the little shepherd who, mm-hmm. you know, does something big, but he's just a shepherd. It's very cute. Yeah, I think they did a good job, um, at least with the world building. Like I said, I think the story felt generic, but it looked pretty. It, um, I liked kind of the character designs of the family. Just I thought the whole design of the sea monsters was pretty creative. Mm-hmm. But I one th- thing I did want to mention too before we go more into like when they go to the surface is how many movies have started on a boat like at night. I just feel like I've seen so many movies where it's just like a boat. And I'm like, okay, it's a boat. They're in a little fishing town. One thing that I kept thinking of from that and from other things is the 13th year Disney's yeah, decom, um, where like you know he's a tr- a fish basically. He's a mermaid yeah. or merman. But that started that started with a boat at yeah. night with the fishermen yep. seeing the mermaid. Yep. Um so that was kind of double feature. It, it's so true. And like in TV shows, like if you watch like crime shows or you know whatever, I feel like there's always an episode where someone gets killed by like a fisherman or something on a oh boat and then gosh. they get chucked in the water and it gets blamed on a shark. Um and there's always that scene. Yeah. So Yeah. The boat scenes. Um, but basically, he meets Alberto, uh, which is like his, uh, his the other kid, the main friend, um, who lives on the surface, and he goes to the surface, and then the the story, the main story kind of picks up there when his parents don't want him to go there, so he runs away to the village. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, from that point, is really where I started to like it, even just when he first went to the surface, because I really liked the friendship they developed in the treehouse, which kind of gave their friendship time to develop before they moved into the town with all the people. Mm -hmm. So you kind of established their main connection um, and kind of almost felt what Alberto was feeling as the movie went on, where he was kind of felt like he was losing that connection. Mm -hmm. And we felt that a little bit too, because we already kind of felt that connection with just the two of them alone, which I thought was pretty well done. I liked that a lot. Yeah, what did you think of the Sasha Baron Cohen cameo? Who was that? He played the un- the uncle, Uncle oh. Uggo or whatever. I didn't know it was I didn't know it was him. 
I mean, I thought it was fine, I guess. It wasn't like <laughs> that exciting. Maybe if I had known it was him, I would have been looking for it. But with people talking about that? No, I saw it in the credits that it was him. Oh, and I was like, oh, wow. Cool. That's surprising Cohen. they like got that big of a name for such like a small role. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of good actors in this, though, and good voice actors, too. Yeah. I thought all the kids did really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we love Jacob Tremblay. We already kind of established that. He is a king, and he did great in this. I think they did a great job of casting him, like, because his voice sounds a lot more, not naive, but, like, I don't know. His voice just sounds, like, less experienced, I guess, than Alberto's voice, who sounds, like, I don't a little older, I think. Mm -hmm. And so they don't, like, look older, but you get that sense that one of them is less experienced than the other just from the vocal performances. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the girl. Yeah, Julia. Yeah, she was great. I loved her. She was so fun. Yeah, and I like that they made her weird, but not like in a bad way. Uh-huh. And so they made her like stand out from other similar characters, Uh, which that's kind of like more of a stock character. It could have been a stock character, but they made her stand out by giving her like a pretty distinctive personality, I thought. Mm-hmm. So she was very good. And her dad was iconic. He was so fun. I loved him. Yeah, yeah. He could have definitely been like almost like a ripoff of the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs dad. Because that's mm, what I yeah. first thought of. But I think he they just made him more distinct because they gave him a lot more like of a light personality than just being like stone faced the whole time. Yeah, I like how um you occasionally you saw his eyes like yes. <laughs> like that was one of his personality traits. Um and then I also appreciated that like he didn't have one of his arms and mm-hmm. they were like I mean you kind of assume that it was like a fish attack or like a shark uh-huh. attack and then he was like, "Oh, I was born this way." And I was like, Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And then he's, he's holding like this up big the macho sign guy for the daughter with like it tied to the ah, uh, he was the best. He was awesome. And what about the other parents? What did you think of um, them? Um, I thought they were fine. Um, I thought it was funny that they I cuz I feel like there's always this stereotype I see on Twitter of like what the Disney dads and moms look like, like the Disney dad with the mustache and the mom with the dump truck ass like that's just what they do and i feel like they they just went with that in this yeah yeah you know they leaned into it um no i thought they were fun characters i thought the bit with the dad like looking for him and like shoving the other kid into the ocean was funny i thought that all those little clips of them like throwing water on kids was funny yeah, I like how they gave them more of a personality outside of just how they were in the ocean, mm-hmm. like the overprotective kind of thing. And so you got a little bit more of a sense of their humanity. So it didn't look like they were just like the villains because I feel like there wasn't like any there. The main villain, I guess, technically would be the kid um, that they're trying to beat in the race. But I liked how with them, I think it could have been easy to have them be the main villains until the end, maybe where they, they kind of try to redeem them. But they having them throughout the story, I think, gave them a little more personality. So it wasn't like they were just like these mm-hmm. mean parents like that didn't want their son to go to the surface, you know, which yeah. would have been a lot more generic, I think. Yeah, I agree. 
this movie is funny too. I thought it was really funny and like in a good way. Yeah, like really lighthearted humor. Yeah. And I like that the humor wasn't trying too hard because that's something Mm -hmm. I've commented on recently in Pixar and other Disney films is that the humor has always been for me offbeat recently with stuff like that because it's like they're trying to use modern humor and it doesn't make sense and it's not natural and I think that they this felt like an older Pixar movie in terms of the way the humor and the story and the dialogue was written like it felt very casual natural light-hearted um type of of jokes and stuff Yeah, like, not as much more where we were comparing it to Nemo in the beginning because the story's like it. I don't think the story's like it as it goes on. But I think Nemo is a good example of a script that is very funny, Mm -hmm. but isn't, like, trying too hard. Like, it's very naturally funny. The characters are just fun. Um, And I think that was with this, too. Just, like, the dialogue was naturally just light. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially with, like, Luca's relationship with Alberto. Like, their dialogue together... And then when you add Julia into the mix, I think just a lot of their interactions were funny, naturally. And it wasn't them saying this uh, this one line of dialogue that would have been funny in a tweet. And the writers are like, this is humor now with the self-aware winking at the audience stuff. It just wasn't any of that. It was very yeah. um, well written, I thought. Trying to think of any like more non-spoiler stuff. What did you think of the animation? Because I think this differs from Soul, which I think did have great animation, but in a different way where that was, um, at least in the human world, very realistic. And then this was more of uh, still like pretty realistic. It wasn't totally like a Miyazaki, like dreamy style, but it was more fantastical than something like Soul. Yeah, I thought what was really interesting to me and big props to the animators is that they had to animate both of these characters as a fish and Mm. as a human and retain those distinctive personality traits and features of the character between both being a fish and a human. And so I thought that was really cool because I was like, I don't even know how you would do that. Like to make an entirely different creature or species also look and act like the same character in the human world Mm. without just relying on the voice of the character. Yeah. Um, So I thought that was really impressive because I felt like they really just seamlessly blended together, whether they were a fish or a human. Which was kind of cool because they did a couple scenes where they're swimming, you know, and they're jumping up over the water. And so they really are transforming back and forth between both Mm -hmm. characters. Um, So I thought that that was was cool. Yeah, like I said, I think the design of the creatures was really good. And I think that's a good point, especially when they had the bits where the water was getting dumped on them. And so they like part of them was already transformed. And so um, that even further showed how even though it was different creatures, like they looked the same uh-huh. uh, feature wise. So it really f- kind of seamlessly flowed. I really liked just how colorful it was. We already said that, but also just how in a good way cartoonish it looked. Yeah. Uh, Because I think that really helped immerse you in the world, especially because this is like a 1960s Italian uh, Italy setting. And so I don't think it has to be perfectly realistic because we're already kind of being transported back 
81 years. And I, yeah, I think it really worked for the style and helped you accept the more dreamlike sequences, which for me were like the animation standouts. Um, I really liked there was the when he went in the stars with the fish. I thought that was really pretty. It was so cute. Those were just amazing. But I think the reason they worked so well is because the style was already somewhat fantastical. So it wasn't such like a weird transition where like, oh, we were just in the real world and now we're Uh skating on Saturn's ring or yeah, Saturn. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that those sequences were just really cute, too, because it gives you, like, a good perspective into Luca's character and also his contrast with Alberto because, Mm -hmm. like, Alberto is a very realism-type character. He's focused on the real life and the real world and what's going on. And then Luca was this very, like hopeful dream like character who is always looking to the future and big plans and big dreams and i just was like wow it's cute it was i loved i wish there was like one more because there was i think two main ones and sort of like the third one to kind of have like i just like the threes but yeah both of the sequences were very good Uh and like i said they didn't distract from the narrative or feel disjointed um trying to think of any other non-spoiler stuff like i said i really did love the op not the opening but when alberto and luca were at the little their little place and how they gave that time to develop and they had the whole thing with like them building the bike and going off the ramp and then that allowed them to go into the town because i feel like it could have been very easy to just rush to the town because that's like what everyone quote-unquote wants is just to get to the town and to have all the funny like interactions with all the people. Um, so I think it could have been really easy for the writers to just rush through everything to get to the town. Yeah. But I'm glad that they had the section with just the two friends developing their relationship because I think it allowed all the stuff in the town to be even more impactful and like actually emotionally impactful and not just like funny uh, because we already knew the characters at that point. And then we were could like introduce new people because we already knew the our two main protagonists. Right. Um I don't know if there's much more I could do without spoilers. Yeah, we can move into a spoiler section. Yeah, yeah. So before we go to an ad break and go into some spoiler sections, my main takeaway for all of you would be that it's very good. I think you should definitely go see it, especially because it's free, you know? Like yeah. on Disney Plus anyway. It's so fun. It's cute. It's uplifting. It's just one of those things that's like, it's a good time in a time that is not good. Mm-hmm. It's like a classic Pixar movie. For yeah, me. like it just feels, it's a really feel good film. So if mm-hmm. you want a feel good film, highly recommend watching this one. Okay, let's go into an ad break then. And when we come back, we'll get into some spoilers of the movie. Talking about Luca spoilers. So the main thing is the race, I think. Which is weird. A lot of people are saying that there's not really like a conflict in this movie. Or it's very just like a slice of life movie. Which I think is not true. I think it's it's a pretty basic 
arc or plot line for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's very clear conflict. This The hero stumbles and then he gets back up and then he goes on his way. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting to me about that comment specifically is that this is a very basic kids movie structure um, Mm -hmm. where the conflict is not some big crazy thing. And I think a lot of the people who have been saying that are people that expect something really magnificent from Pixar and they watch it and they're like, oh, well, this isn't like some massive deep moment and it's like yeah but it doesn't have to be and even like though adults do watch pixar films at the end of the day it's geared towards young people Mm -hmm. and i think that the conflict was fine i think that it was big enough that it had an effect on the film in a good way but it wasn't like this like super dramatic Like, it was just a very simple, oh, we're going to compete in this race, and we have to beat this guy who's, like, annoying and mean and prideful. (laughs) Like, it just felt, you know, I thought it was fine. Yeah, like, and it's all about the scope of the movie. So this movie is very, like, has a very small scope, and so the conflict feels big in relation to the small scope. I mean, the main thrust is that they want to buy this Vespa so they can travel the world and it's like the world is kind of like not a defined place because they don't really know what the world is. And so for them, the world is just this little town or what is within reach of this little town. And so I think for them, the conflict feels very big. And so I think that to the audience, then it feels big, at least for me, because like in something like Soul, that's obviously like as basically as big as you could get. So I think like in relation to that, maybe if you put the two conflict side by side technically this one is very small scale but i think it feels as big as it needs to be because the scope of the movie Mm -hmm. is so narrow yeah and i loved the vespa thing because that's just such a kid thing like yes seeing something that is very cool and you want it and you think it's awesome and you hyper fixate on getting this specific thing Mm -hmm. i think that happens a lot in like classic kid stories where they're like you know oh, I want this bike and I'm working all summer to get this bike or I, mean, I want- Christmas story too. Yeah, yeah the like... the BB gun. Um, I think that, yeah, it's, I think it's cute. And I like how they didn't crush their dreams where like they realized like in this big climactic moment, oh, we can't travel the world on our Vespa because it's not possible to go across an ocean or whatever on it. Like I liked how- we didn't get like the dash of reality mm-hmm. kind of moment. I liked how it kept it very childlike wonder. Yeah, and that even is is shown through them. The contrast of this other character who is like, oh, I have the most beautiful Vespa. I have won this race. I'm the best. And the kids see this like beat up, trashy little you know, Vespa that probably doesn't work. And they're like, oh my God, it's the best thing in the world. I need it. It's amazing. We can travel the world together on this like dinky, broken down Vespa. And it's like, it's so cute. cute." I love, I love all that stuff. And I like the race too. I think that them training for the race is a good, it moves the plot along. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's pretty like a basic thing where like there's this one like thing that, 
happens at the end, but they have to do this stuff in the middle of the movie to kind of prepare for that big ending climax. Mm -hmm. And so throughout it, the characters can interact and strengthen or weaken the friendship, I guess, in different parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just really liked the race stuff. I like good races because it's like, even though I know they're going to win, sometimes it's just fun to watch like, oh man, how close are they going to get? What's going to be? (laughs) Who's going to get to the finish line? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. One thing I think was really interesting as a takeaway for me is that this and Soul both have this very um, rich theme of like seeing the world differently, like through fresh eyes Soul does that a lot when 22 is coming and sees the simple things and is like, oh, this is, you know, amazing. I love Earth. I love the world. And these kids, you know, they eat the pasta and that's like their new favorite thing is eating this mm-hmm. pasta and kicking a Wasn't soccer it weird ball. that they were eating fish? Yeah. Was that a little weird? It, it just was a little weird for me. I was like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think the the similarities were not obvious, but there was that shared theme of like loving life or learning Which is interesting. how to love life. That's a very interesting thing to me because I feel like we're shifting into having similar themes like that in movies now of like, oh, life is really hard and the world is maybe not the greatest place right now. Um, and yeah. trying to see life through a more simplistic mindset of wonder and seeing joy in the little things. And it's yeah. funny because for me, that was an issue. If you've listened to the Soul episode, mm-hmm. that was kind of a thematic issue that I had in the way that they presented that in Soul. But I feel like it worked really well in this movie more than for more for me than it worked in in Soul. Yeah, I think in Soul, a lot of the issue was the push and pull between like, should we make this for adults or for kids? Mm -hmm. And I think that that stopped the themes from being not obvious, but from being something that you could take away from it because it all felt very convoluted. Mm -hmm. But I think in this, because it's a lot more not like for kids, but it's a lot less deep, I guess, or trying to be deep. I think the themes are can shine through a lot more mm-hmm. because it's just a simple story. And so you're they're not trying to like come up with this complicated way to get the, the theme across where they have to create this whole other universe and sense of reality, which in this it's just like, oh, it's just two kids and their friends and they're learning how to play soccer and they're laughing. And it's fun because they like playing soccer now. Uh huh. I think Sound of Metal was another example of that, like you were saying, with like learning to love the smaller things in life and like appreciate them. But I think like for me, if you read, if you follow my letterboxed for that, I said that that was like a better version of Soul's message because in that movie, it's obviously for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can. They they can convey those themes in a deep way without like trying to be like get the kids along as well. Yeah. Um. So I think that's I think a good lesson is that you have to convey themes 
in the movie you're making. So you can't try to make a kid's movie, but convey adult themes in an adult way. You have to convey the themes in a way that like a kid could also understand. Because I think a kid could understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like, oh, they were sad, but now they're happy because they found something they love to do, you know? Right. So for me, the biggest gut punch, because there's always like a gut punch Mm -hmm. in a Pixar movie. Yeah. Um, which I think is they kind of gotten away from more because it's like they try to make the whole movie a gut punch mm-hmm. and it gets like, oh my gosh, okay, I get it. But classic Pixar was more like there was one moment and that was like the big like, ugh. And I felt that in this with uh, when Alberto became the sea monster and was like, see, I told you they don't like sea monsters. And then Luca was like, oh no, a sea monster. Yeah. And it's so sad. Yeah, And I is. was like, wow, that is extremely sad and i think it was a great moment i think like it's hard in a kid's movie because it's like you don't want to dwell on that too much Mm -hmm. that idea of like self-denial and so they kind of they walk it back pretty quick where like the next scene she discovers that he's a sea monster and he goes apologizes in like five minutes and so it doesn't last too long but even the fact that they did that was a really good way of like deepening the stakes or like the emotional weight and also then towards the end then it kind of deepens their bond Mm -hmm. because they've kind of been through something a little more serious like that yeah and that's something that is also like i feel like a very realistic children's conflict you know you see a lot in like middle school or early high school where someone is doing something different than you and then you're like oh, haha, you're such a loser with, like, the bullies or whatever. Like, you see that Mm -hmm. similar kind of idea in, like, something like Wonder, I think of. Um, Mm. Wow, another Jacob Tremblay movie. But, like, in the sequence where he obviously, you know, doesn't know, the other kid doesn't know that Augie's there, and then he Mm -hmm. says, you know, agrees with the bullies, like, oh, I'm not, like... I'm cool too. And so it's, you know, a very, like you said, self-denial, but also like a selfish sort of um, mistake that someone makes. And I think that's Mm. very common um, for kids because they're just trying to find themselves and find their place in the world and with other people. And obviously it's a wrong thing to do, um, but it's interesting that that was kind of their like conflict in this, in the middle or their midpoint. Yeah, it's like the, I don't know what stage of the hero's journey would be, but it'd be one of the stages. Uh, from that point, then he's doing the race alone, mm-hmm. which I don't know if I really expected that. I kind of expected more Alberto to go back and them to do it. So I, th- I thought it was interesting that they had him do the race alone and then they had the moment where it starts raining, which you see the thunderclouds, you're like, oh no, <sighs> not, the th- not the rain. I know, I love that. <laughs> yeah, because you're like so into it. You're like, no, it can't start raining. He's going to win. Well, and I love the parents in the sequence, all the parents in this like short little section Like, Mm. Julia's dad, where Alberto doesn't come back, and they're like, oh, he left, and he's like, well, I'm gonna go looking for him, just in case he he does want to be found. And I was like, oh my god, please, it's so special. Um, He loves But I love, too, the other Luca's parents in this sequence, because they're like, just trying to get him, and then he, like, drives past them on the bike really (laughs) fast, and they're like... 
oh, he's so fast. And it's yeah. like, I love the balance of them being like the parent is being responsible and mad and trying to protect their kid, but also being like, oh, I'm so proud. I love him. I think he's awesome. Yeah. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. that is so sweet and nice. And then you have this, the heartwarming moment of Alberto with the umbrella running up the thing and then he falls oh man it's just the whole ending is so well done for Mm -hmm. me i think they really handled it well because that's the whole i mean going in you know that eventually everyone's going to find out they're sea monsters yeah Uh, and so you're kind of wondering how they're gonna do that that's kind of like the question like how are the directors going to because it's such a big moment so how are they going to basically execute that and i think it was executed very well here like it wasn't an accident for luca it was like his choice yeah to do that and i think that was very important because that was like his whole arc was like accepting that part of himself i think i mean he has a lot of different things but yeah, I really loved the ending. And then you have the old ladies that were like the little reveal <laughs> and they take off their, it's like, wow, they were sea monsters too. Yeah, I think that's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the parents reveal themselves. And I love that the dad too um, was the first person to like kind of mm. be like, oh, I know who they are and they won. And it's like, oh, he was the greatest because... You know, they present him as this bigger macho character who maybe is a little more gruff. He goes out on the sea. He comes across as being, you know, they're threatened by him because of Mm. him being a fisherman and stuff. And then he's the one to be like, no, they're okay. They're good kids. And it's like, wow, that is such a nice nice message, too. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about any of the gay subtext? I mean, we can. I mean, obviously, in an interview, the director has, I mean, well, first you have the Call Me By Your Name comparisons, which started, like, the moment, like, the the logo came out. Basically, Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, obviously, he's going to say it's all about platonic friendships. That's what, that's, like, part of his quote. And I think for this, uh, because we've talked a bit, like, in Raya, about the queer baiting stuff. Uh, And how sometimes that feels like it takes away from the story almost Mm -hmm. because it seems so obvious, but then they just don't do it. For a movie like this, I think it works in both ways, because especially because they're young kids. And so I think it can work as a story about friendship. But then there's also like you can draw subtext as like an allegorical metaphor for being gay. Yeah, I think it's interesting because... That is where I see it more, is more in Luca's self-identity journey. Because mm-hmm. something that I always kind of have a problem with in movies like this is making kids want to be in relationships anyway, um, which seems like the director had the same kind of thought process, is I think there's something to be said about um, relating, or maybe a young, you know, queer kid who is trying to figure out their identity can watch this and see that subtext of Luca's journey of being like, it's okay to be who I am. And I think that is a good way to look at it, opposed to being like, I've even seen TikToks of like the scene where Alberto... Um, is like, my friend smells amazing. And, and people in the TikTok are like, 
oh, it's clearly gay. And it's like, no, sure, yeah, I think it doesn't but... work as well for that. Just because it's like, it feels weird to ship kids' characters together. Yeah, and I, that's something that I've always felt weird about, even in, I know this has been compared a lot to Studio Ghibli films, hmm. um, but I've felt weird about in Studio Ghibli films, like, for example, in Spirited Away, where people essentially are like, oh, this relationship between her and the boy. And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to see kids as friends, especially when they're like young. And I think that they do a really good job or the director did a really good job of building these friendship relationships. And that's not to say that maybe they couldn't have feelings for each other, but I think it's not Mm. the main theme of the movie, I guess. Yeah, because I I think you could read them both as struggling with their identity, but it's not like struggling with their identity in relation to each other. Yeah, I feel like this is something we talked about with the 13th year in that episode, um, was the same parallels of... The kid being different um, because he's a mermaid and not wanting people to find out. But then essentially, like, in the end is like, oh, I do want to be this, like, merman. Hmm. And that same kind of parallel of really paralleling a coming out story for a kid or for someone else, you know? Yeah, because I think you could, anyone could identify with this, really, in that sense. But I think it's weird to compare it to Call Me By Your Name. I think at first, like, I think that review title was funny, like, Calamari By Your Name. I think that is something to laugh about and, like, see it and be like, oh, haha, chuckle, chuckle. But it's like, (laughs) this isn't anything like Call Me By Your Name, except that it's set in an Italian city and has two boys. Like, it just is, like, weird to me to relate this children's movie to a movie that deals with pedophilia and adult themes and uh yeah and i think even like because obviously it's being like we said like the slice of life movie which i don't think is true but i think call me by your name is in that way because there's not really much of like a narrative structure to that film it's very like loose Mm -hmm. in that way Mm -hmm. and i think maybe you could if you just watched the trailer you could think that maybe that was the direction they were going Mm -hmm. like it was just these two friends kind of hanging out in italy in the summer but when you see the movie, it's a very clear narrative structure. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that it doesn't even work in that narrative way. The only comparisons would be it's in the summer in Italy. Because even like the boys are the same age. So what a, what an idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't really understand the comparisons past the setting. Um, what do you think about the ending? So you have... Um, I mean, I thought it was going to end, actually, when they, won they kind of the are race. on the Vespa. Well, they, they are, I thought there was going to be like the coda where they're on the Vespa and then they kind of go to the house and they're all friends and stuff. I thought that would be the ending, but I was not expecting the ending where where Alberto basically sells the bike so he can go to school and then he's like riding off on the Narnia train. I wasn't expecting that ending, but I really liked the way it ended. I thought it was I did like too. with him hanging out of the train with the rain and then you had him shouting. Oh, I was I cried a lot. I cried more in this than I did in Soul. Yeah, I thought it was really special. Um, I also really like the theme um, of, I mean, obviously they're children, but the theme of one of them being like, 
school is my dream and learning is my dream and I want to go to school and then the other kid being like maybe school isn't for me but I'm good at this Mm. other thing and that is like what I want to do and you know he wants me to help him and ask me to help and I was like I like that because it shows the difference between two characters um, who have very different personalities and trajectories And I think they really showcase that well in this ending of like, Hmm. oh, one is meant to go and do something different and one is meant to stay and do this thing. And how you can find Hmm. fulfillment in both of those different pathways. But yeah, I liked when he was hanging out of the train. I thought that was a good ending because it like it showed that he felt free and that was his whole thing was being free to be himself, you know, his parents letting him do what he desired and then him finding this hunger for learning. And I was like, wow, that is just really special. It was a very special ending. Um, And so like the main thing is like you have both of them where they think that they want, well, they think that their main desire is to get the Vespa and then see the world, I guess. But I think it's interesting that in the end that was neither of their desire really um like they i mean obviously they're still kids it's only over the course of a summer but you could read it more as like that was like their adolescent kind of childhood dream Mm -hmm. and then they grew up and then saw like their different destinies which were not together but they were still like friends i don't know it was really nice classic coming of age it was it was a classic coming of age but not in like the depressing way either i think sometimes coming of age movies can be so heavy-handed and i don't know this felt very hopeful maybe because they're still kids too so it's like only partly coming of age yeah yeah and i hope this doesn't get a sequel because i really would not want to see I don't know. I don't think this needs a sequel at all. No, I think it's perfect the way it is. Like, I don't think it's doing well enough to get a sequel, which is sad, but also like at least maybe it won't get a sequel. Yeah. Um, I could see it maybe getting a short of hmm, something from yeah. the un- same universe or him in a school classroom. Like, I- that's something that I could see being a short coming from them. But yeah, definitely yeah. not another full-length feature film. Alberto and the dad like fishing. Or like a fishing journey kind of thing. Yeah, that would be cute. Wait, but like, but he's, he knows he's a sea monster now. So like, he like finds a way to like get the most fish when he goes underwater or something. Like they have this whole plan yeah. set. That would be, that would so be cute. Nice. Because it's something that's like a very small snippet, but I don't mean to see like another massive telling of these children's stories, I guess. One thing that I appreciate about this movie, too, and something that Disney hopefully will lean more into, is setting movies in a different culture and actually using aspects of that culture in the film. With people that know the culture making it. Yeah, like I think that is really special. And obviously the director, you know, said that he was, you know, making this based on inspiration from other Italian filmmakers. They sent people, Mm. like you have in the notes here, they sent people to the Italian Rivera to take pictures and do research. And the sea monsters come from Italian folklore and stuff like that from that region. And I'm like, that's cool. That's cool that Mm. they, you know, are at least using some of their resources to make something that's authentic to where they're setting it and the kind of characters and people that are there. Yeah, and I think, like, obviously there was the 
issue people had with the with the cast in Raya, which is a different thing. But I think that was a big part of that movie with at least the visuals was them going to these different cultures and getting the visual language and style of the movie from those mm-hmm. cultures rather than just like making it up based on what they think the cultures are, which only ends up in stereotypes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's great now that we can, even with the internet, so like even if after you visited, you want to like look at the town or certain styles of the buildings or architecture, you can get that. So there's really no excuse to lean on your stereotypical understandings other than laziness because you can literally go on google earth and quote-unquote visit the town right now um yeah right yeah uh wrapping it up we can say what it fits in our rankings but i just would also would just wrap it up with like i love this one i think uh even if it's i don't know because i liked soul but we i think agreed in that episode on the fact that Pixar does have an issue with I think it started in up and it's kind of progressed through that with a couple in between like Cars 3 or whatever but in their bigger movies they have an issue with trying to make things too deep or making them feel more emotionally manipulative like the whole point of them is to like make you cry Uh um and I think this has the elements of crying because I cried at the end. But I think with this, it feels more like a movie like Monsters, Inc. or Nemo, where it feels naturally part of the story, the emotional elements, rather than like the story is built on this emotional element. Um, mm-hmm. It just feels like it's a part of the narrative, which I think is very refreshing in a Pixar movie. And I don't know if they'll keep on with that going forward, but I'm at least we got this one which i think is a great example of like a classic kids animated movie yeah i agree with all of that (laughs) yeah please i i don't this is only the second day so i know like people aren't raving about this one but i at least hope like more people watch it and like it so that pixar knows like maybe we can get more of these yeah more casual but still meaningful pixar films um i we, i mean it's so hard because i there's some of these i haven't seen in so long but generally unless you have a very specific spot where does it fit in your like pixar rankings right now um so right now i have it at number eight um so i have it right below toy story 3 and right above finding nemo but mm. really i went back and forth like um, like I do with kind of eight through 12 anyway yeah. <laughs> of like, I, I, I haven't seen Finding Nemo in a while. I haven't seen Ratatouille in a while, you know, and those are right about the same for me, I would feel like. Um, it's mm-hmm. also hard to say on just a simple first watch. If I watched it again, I might like it more, uh, or like it less. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But right now, it's right about the same as Finding Nemo, Ratatouille, Toy Story, Toy Story 3, kind of. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so my top four are basically like the set ones where it's Toy Story Inside Out, Incredibles, Toy Story 2. But then like my next four are pretty, even like my next like seven are pretty close interchangeable right now like i would have to probably watch them all to really know so for right i would say this is for me like on the tier of i have it 
by Wally, uh, Soul, and Coco. I would say like those are the ones that I would kind of compare it with. Mm-hmm. But I would really want to see Monsters Inc. and Ratatouille again, and maybe even Nemo, uh, because I think those ones are also in that top second tier, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very firmly in that second tier for me. Yeah, it's in the second tier for me as well. I think this is a really good movie, and I'm very... I mean, I was hoping I was going to like it, but I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. So, very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I was as well. I'm glad that it didn't disappoint me, because I was really worried. I was been looking forward to this movie for a while, and I was really worried that it was going to disappoint me. Because I just didn't know. You never know. I was looking forward to Soul, and that disappointed me. So I was like, oh, I just don't want that to happen again. So I was pleasantly surprised Mm -hmm. and happy that I ended up liking this movie. So this is the last Pixar film of the year. Next year, we're getting apparently two. The panda one, the red panda one. Yeah, the turning red panda one, which we'll we'll see. Could be good. No idea. And then... June 8th, June 17th, so almost exactly a year from now, we're getting Lightyear. Oh, wow, yeah, with Chris Evans. So two very different movies next year from Pixar. So we'll see how those turn out. Uh, in the meantime, we uh, will still be here until that those movies, episodes every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have thoughts on Luca and want to share them with us, just email us at secondhandfilmcritics at gmail.com and maybe we'll read your comments in the next episode or the episode we get after, like, before we film the next one, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Um, what is our next episode? Our next episode, we will be talking about another trilogy from the king himself, the icon, Kenny Ortega. <laughs> Um, we'll be talking about the Descendants trilogy, um, and we'll be having a returning guest, uh, our good friend Purnell, who did a triple feature with us last year, and so- The 13th year, he did. The 13th year, yeah, which we talked about today. Um, so thanks to Purnell for bringing that into our podcast so we could talk about it again with Luca. Um, Perfect. Yeah, so that will be a fun one, so make sure to tune in. Yeah, we've had a lot of reviews, so this will be a bit of a change of pace. You can also follow us on social media. Until that time, uh, just go to any social media popular platform and search our name, Mm -hmm. and we'll come up. Follow us there, and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please do. That's all I have for today. That's all I have, too. You know? Until next time. Yeah. You know? I'm Noah. (laughs) And I'm Kayla. (laughs) And And we're second second hand film critics. critics.